This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Franchise Tag Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Salas, and we haven't seen you guys since the Super Bowl. We have lots to talk about today other than that, but uh, we have a normal guest today. Uh, Chris is here over Skype. Say what's up, Chris. What's up, guys? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the reason why we're over Skype is because over here in New Jersey in like the East area, um, in that part of the country, it's been snowing like hail or ice, whatever. So haven't been able to go outside. Uh, work's canceled, school's canceled, but show must go on. Um, again, let's, like, like I said before, we haven't seen you guys since the Super Bowl, and um, we did a preview. We missed last week. It's been a while, so we're not going to introduce it like you haven't heard everything that's happened since then. But we're going to go slightly go over it a little bit. Um, Chris, what were your opinions of the 13-3 to Super Bowl Patriots winners? Six Super Bowl, tied for the most, um, along with the Steelers. Um, what do you think overall of the whole performance? It was boring. Boring? <laughs> I thought it was boring, too. 13-3, um, to I think it was the lowest scoring Super Bowl to date from what I saw. Um, mm-hmm. I mean... My overall opinions of it is that I I don't like that the Patriots won. Again, I'm not the biggest Patriots fan, but you have to give credit when credit's due. I mean, this, Sean McVay said it himself. He was pretty much outcoached by Bill Belichick, um, so even he's kind of owning up to it. And if the Patriots can somehow make it three rounds in the playoffs against these teams that are, you know, again, they say that the underdog story, but, you know, a lot of these teams we expected to, to beat the Patriots for the team they are, and they somehow came out with the victory in this low-scoring Super Bowl. I mean, a win's a win. Um, take it for what it's worth. Um, you know, they, all six Super Bowls came from Belichick and the Brady era, and it's still continuing. They're not slowing down now. Um, what do you think happened? How did the Rams fold in this matchup? Like, why, how, why did, how did they allow Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to kind of just stomp all over them? Because they have a pretty big force on their offense and a pretty good defensive line and they still managed to lose so what do you think happened there i mean i, I personally think what ended up happening was it was kind of like a stalemate that's what ended up happening the offenses were kind of not playing too great and the defenses were stepping up and at that point it kind of just comes down to i feel like experience at that point belichick's been there belichick knows how to handle those situations i mean mcveigh definitely adjusted and he he was making different play calls. He was trying to try out new things. So it's not like they got complacent and they were just doing the same things over and over and were unsuccessful. I just feel like Belichick is just, it's just another game to him. He's just so used to it. Yeah. And, you know, again, like I said before, they're tied for the most Super Bowls um, with the Steelers now. So now Steelers fans can say they have the most because now they're officially tied. Patriot looks, Patriots are looking to go for their seventh. And a lot of people are saying early, um, that it's they're going to be Super Bowl winners again. What do you think of that? Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to count them out of anything at this point. This was the year that they were looked at as not going to make it vulnerable, and they won. So, Yeah, that's kind of been the trend every year. Everyone's been saying how you know every single year Patriots are going to get worse and worse, but they always manage to, uh, you know, come out with a victory regardless or somehow get close. So even when they lose, especially like last year, they came back twice as strong. Um, the funny part is about, you know, the whole Patriots roster this whole year, it's been up and down for them. 
Uh, so I have this quick little tweet that I saw from NFL Update on Twitter. Um, Patriots in 2018 lost Nate Solder, signed with the Giants. Cornerback uh, Malcolm Butler signed with the Titans. Wide receiver Danny Amendola took a contract with the Miami Dolphins. And Deion Lewis went to Tennessee as well in free agency. They traded away Brandon Cooks, went to the Rams, who lost in the Super Bowl. Uh, lost first-round pick Isaiah Wynn to, torn, to a torn Achilles, and Edelman was suspended to begin the season, and Josh Gordon got suspended indefinitely and still won the Super Bowl. And on top of the the uh, Josh Gordon situation, they're leaving the door open with him regardless of his suspension. So whenever he's back, um, they'll be more than happy to bring him back, um, depending on their situation. You know how the Patriots are. They may or may not let him go. Bell Belichick can handle any type of situation he finds himself in but if they bring him back and they keep the current lineup that they have um and all the picks that they're having in this upcoming draft there's really no way they can lose lose this year or this upcoming year in the super bowl i would say yeah it's uh it's so sad and i hate saying it but they're gonna be in the running again absolutely and like yeah like we said before they they have plenty of picks in the draft first two rounds they lost isaiah win he comes back um fully healthy um and yeah, I don't I don't see how they can go wrong from here. They have everyone says their defense is bad year in and year out, but they always somehow kind of pick it up towards playoff time. Um, again, that's always a conspiracy that Bill Belichick likes to kind of keep his players behind until they have to play them. I don't think that's the case. It's just somehow that formula on that Patriots team that somehow always figures it out, and it's always a big question mark. And if you if you were to ask anyone on the Patriots staff about all these question marks, they, they already have the answer because our question marks are how they always manage to win with this type of, you know, situations that they're always given. Um, I, th- I just think Belichick knows his players rather than the plays. Like, he understand he understands every aspect of football. Again, this is his sixth championship. He's been in nine Super Bowls overall with Tom Brady. And he knows mm-hmm. everyone that comes in and everyone who leaves. So it's not – I think he just kind of puts together how to put them in the right spots for given players. You know what I mean? Yeah, he kind of just he he just has the mindset. He's there there's no he doesn't need per se star players. It helps to have big star players, but he doesn't need these star players. He knows his scheme, what he needs and he goes out and gets it. He's very good with schemes and I think Sean McVay is going to take a lot out of this. Um I definitely don't think um Rams are, de- are going to decline from here. Again, they got to work on Jared Goff a lot. They have a lot, again um I think that where they went wrong this year was that Sean McVay got signed everyone you could possibly think of, got people in free agency to come over. Everyone's perfect. It's going to work out fine. The only question mark was if Jared Goff was going to be able to play. Again, you kind of saw that missing piece in um, uh, Cooper Cup that was not there, especially in the playoffs. And again, a lot of people mm-hmm. say they don't deserve to be there, especially after the Saints game. And it kind of showed going into that game what happened. And I feel like when he has Cooper Cup back, I feel like that shouldn't be the case, but he's going to be a lot better. Um, he definitely has got to get used to his wide receivers. Um, looking at Brandon Cooks' performance, he missed a lot of nice throws. You know, one of those – it's those throws where what they're paying him, that extended contract that they gave him, he has to make those type of catches, especially in the Super Bowl. And there was yeah, one – because he dropped it and yeah. then it got picked. Yeah, he dropped it, got picked, and then there was that one play in the end zone that Jared Goff saw – Brandon Cooks in the back, and then um, Jason McCourty came out of nowhere from the other side of the field to kind of yeah. get the pass out of his hands. Should have been caught regardless. Yeah. Um, great play by Jason McCourty. Definitely, you know, putting the team on his back in that current scenario. But 
I don't know. I, I just feel like Jared Goff is the main point of improvement. If he cannot improve, then this team won't succeed. Like, as you could see, Tom Brady, look on the other side. He may not have a lot of players to work with. He gets the ball out fast. Doesn't matter. He can find ways to make plays. Jared Goff has the weapons, but can't seem to find his targets or where to throw the ball in the yeah. correct situations. So, um, Overall, I think if they can get Jared Goff going, I think they should be fine. Again, um, if you like, take a look at the Eagles again, same draft, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff. If I, if I put the more developed player in there, I would say it's Carson Wentz. He's more He knows how to make the plays to get the first down to keep the chains moving. Jared Goff didn't succeed in that scenario because they punted like eight times in a row or something like that. Yeah, they, they were – their punter, if they won, was definitely going to be MVP. Oh, yeah. Up to that he has, point. Uh, he now has – the longest punt in Super Bowl history. Yep, 65 yards. And that was like the <laughs> highlight of it until like the third, fourth quarter. And yeah. what sucks about the Super Bowl is to the casual fan who's watching, and um, and again, us too, we watch football every Sunday um, regardless, but to the, ca- the casual fan that kind of just wants to watch the Super Bowl when it comes around because everyone's watching it, they want to see the commercials, blah, blah, blah. It's a boring Super Bowl, and I don't know how that does for business. Obviously, the yeah. NFL isn't going to go downhill from here, obviously. But, um, you know, it, it just it just wasn't a good look for the NFL overall, especially what, what happened the round, the round before with the Rams and the Saints. Um, they're already in hellfire for that. And then bring this game where it's not even a high-scoring game. Again, this is everyone's fourth decision. Everyone wanted the Chiefs-Saints or Chiefs-Rams. Definitely did not want the Patriots in there. Or if it was going to be the Patriots, it should have gone against the Saints. And this wasn't the matchup anyone wanted, and it still ended up being the game that no one wanted. So um, it was very unfortunate to mm-hmm. see that especially in uh, this era of how talented teams are. But um, that's such a Patriots way to go out. The only touchdown that was recorded in this game was Sony Michelle, um, and the big play was to Gronk towards like the five-yard line. Yeah, um, he made two big catches in that drive. As soon as he scored, I'm like, there's no way the Rams are going to come back now. If they've been like this all game, no shot that they're going to be able to come back from that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, is there anything else you have to add on the Super Bowl? I feel like we're missing a couple things. I feel like the, you know, the whole, the whole take overall for me is that, um, again, the the Patriots have I mentioned this two times already up to this point, but they have twelve picks going into the into this draft, and again I mentioned it before in a different episode they don't rebuild they reload, and that's kind of the case here. Um, I've heard in a lot of uh, podcasts that. The Colts have a big chance of making it to the Super Bowl. Uh, they're they're an AFC team as well, right? I'm not mistaken, both are yeah. AFC. Yeah, so there's a mm-hmm. big chance that they can make it. But again, with all this reloading that the Patriots are going to do, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. Because look at it from the inside out, the Colts have so much um, cap space. They have over $100 million. They have their quarterback already. They got their offensive line. They actually just re-signed one of their guards or tackles. Um, to an extended contract, so they're keeping Andrew Luck protected. They have Darius Leonard on the other side of the ball, along with the rest of their defense. Um, they could sign a lot of free agents coming out now. Um, what do you think is going to be the key for the Colts, if that's the case? Because that's going to be my way too early pick for the next year's Super Bowl, is that the Colts can make it. Um, what's stopping them from reaching the Super Bowl, especially with the Patriots in that tough division? I think they just need another receiver. They have T.Y. Hilton, but if you go against the Patriots, because realistically they may have to go through them, all that's going to happen is Belichick's just going to take them away because he takes away their best player, and then they're done. That offense is done. Yeah, that offense 
is you know, I think that offense would be done, especially like again, TY isn't gonna do as much work for you. I think they really gotta figure out their tight end situation there as well. I always hear that Andrew Luck likes um Jack Doyle more than uh Moali Cox or anyone or Eric Eric Ebron who had an amazing year who made a Pro Bowl. Um, you know, it's very tough to yeah. pick and choose there. And again, it's all up to Andrew Luck as to who he wants to throw to. TY isn't gonna get the job for get the job done for you. I feel like he's more of a Brandon Cooks type guy minus his contract. You know, he's much shorter yeah. than another player, he's not gonna moss you. Um, he's just gonna. He's just a fast player who can make certain plays. I feel like the only plays Brandon Cooks can really make is like those slant routes or like an out route somewhere, and that's mm-hmm. that's and that's like later in the game when they get closer to the end zone. That's pretty much what I've seen him do all year. Um, I don't know where they are draft wise. We went over that in another episode. You can listen to that if you want to, or you can look it up. But uh, you know, I think the Colts are in a much better place. But again, that's not really the case. Um, the Patriots know exactly what they're doing. They're going for their seventh Super Bowl. If that does happen and they have the most Super Bowls out of any team in the league, what's your reaction to that? I don't I don't want to be happy about it or applaud them, but it is it is impressive. It's very impressive. And again, I mentioned many times up to in these previews of every single conference game is I've always mentioned what I've wanted to see in the Super Bowl, but you always forget to turn your head around and kind of see that Patriots are right there. They haven't left. And they said, like we said last episode, they're still there. And a lot of people forget. So they're not an underdog. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of people want to see something else. I don't think they're the underdog. Everyone knows that they win every single year. That's that's just not the case. Um, to me, if they go exactly. for, if they go for their seventh Super Bowl, um, you know, bravo. If you've done it with one quarterback and one head coach who always somehow put it together, um, I feel like a lot of teams need to kind of do the same thing. Um Again, not, they've been in nine Super Bowls. Can you imagine a world where they won those Super Bowls against the Giants and against the Eagles? They, they're already looked at as one of the best dynasties ever. If they had won those and were undefeated, there, there would be no discussion. That would just be they'd be hands down the best. Absolutely. Um, so again, they, at that point, they would be nine and zero. Like that. That's amazing. That'd be crazy. Yeah, if they haven't won any. Um, now, officially, Tom Brady has the same amount of Super Bowls, uh, I, I actually, same amount of championships, again, different sports as as Michael Jordan. So yeah. if you haven't if you haven't put together that he's the GOAT up to this point, um, then you kind of got to get your eyes checked here. Well, wasn't MJ undefeated, though? MJ was undefeated. But, well, um, I'm it, not taking away from Brady. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know we're going to find every trick in the book to try to take away from Brady. But, again, football football is much harder of a sport. Um, again, both dominant athletes. And Brady's going to go to 45, so there's a big chance that he can get, you know, what is he, 41 now? Four more? 41, something like that, yeah. If he somehow so, yeah. puts together mm-hmm. eight, eight, nine Super Bowls by the age of 45, um, undisputed goat. There's no other discussion. Again, a lot of people have that discussion of like, oh, my quarterback's Joe Montana, or it's the you know, you know, like the Joe Namath of the world. But again, one Super Bowl for Joe Namath, and then all those other guys have four or five Super Bowls. But if Tom Brady can somehow manage that, again, it's not like that franchise has won a Super Bowl outside of that era. It's him and the coach. Yeah, like that's even more insane to me. But you know, we're looking forward to heading into next season. A lot of question marks. A lot of things going on right now that we're going to talk about right now. So we'll move on from the Super Bowl there. Again, you know, congrats to the Patriots. And we're I'm very excited to see what happens to their season next year and everyone else as well. 
Um, so in recent news, yesterday Kareem Hunt was signed to a one-year deal with the Browns. What do you think about this scenario? I figured he was going to be back. The only thing is, is I'm very like it, it, it baffles me, it confuses me. I don't understand why the Browns picked him up. I feel like Chubb established himself as their back, and now they pick up Hunt. I just don't get it. I agree with you, and um, you know. To me, what I've seen on Twitter and all the other things, when I first saw the signing, I was very, very, very confused. Like you said a second ago, Chubb established himself as a solid rookie, almost had 1,000 yards, basically had 1,000 yards. I'd count it for him um, if it wasn't for stat-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's just uh, it's just getting a little confusing. I feel like that's a good – it's gonna it's a good fit for the coach because Freddie Kitchens is a running back coach. And, um, you know, again, he paired really well with Baker and Chubb, and now you throw Cunt into the mix, who is also extremely dominant, and their offense is looking in the uh, in the incline, so it's not like we're looking at any deficiencies because we haven't seen them on a different team other than the Chiefs. Um, I don't know. I feel like this is very confusing, especially for fantasy owners. I know that's kind of like a side thing, but I thought about that for a second, and I'm just like, now who do you draft? Are you comfortable in drafting, like, both running backs as, like, a running solid running back two slash kind of running back wanting i have no idea that's really confusing i it's they're i don't know they honestly i feel like what they now need is they i don't know if that's this is why they picked up hunt but they need more someone to make plays on the receiving game because i got Njoku, who's pretty solid but he's he's a tight end he's not going to be he's not in the same level as a wide receiver yeah, and they have landry but landry can only do so much he, he's not a big guy where he's going to be making these catches over people and fighting through people. Yeah. And again, you can't forget that um, Freddie Kitchens was interim head coach. He used a lot more of Chubb, especially after Hyde left. And again, he's going to, they're going to be run first now. That's a, that's essentially what their offense is looking like now. And I feel like Glandry can make a big impact, but let's not forget the outrage over this signing. Again, he signed a one year, possibly 1 million, maybe even more, maybe even less. We don't know. They believe he needed, he wanted a second chance they gave it to him. He feel like he deserves it. He deserves to be in this league. Um, but everyone's angry with this whole situation because it was kind of a slap on the wrist. He's been out of the league for two months, and now he's already back in the league, as opposed to other guys who haven't even touched the field after their scenarios, such as Ray Rice or, you know, again, there's a different scenario happening right now where um, it's Foster now on the Redskins after he was, yeah. you know, going through that situation. So, um what do you think of the outrage? Do you think it was a little bit too light of a punishment? Because, again, it's still an ongoing investigation. It's not over. Um, so he could still be suspended for possibly, like, six to ten games, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like Ezekiel Elliott, since there was no evidence, he still got six games. So since they have the video and everything like that, yeah, he's possibly going to get more than that, possibly towards the end of the season. Um, so I think still expect Chubb to be a, a big force. But, again, eventually he's, he still has that one-year deal. Um, what are we looking at suspension-wise? What do you think? I don't know how you don't suspend him. There's videos on everything. If there was no video, I'd say it's a little bit harder to to kind of implement anything because you could always say, I never did it, and how would you know? But since there's a video, I feel like he's going to get suspended. It's it's going to happen, especially now that he's on a team. So I feel like most of next season, he's not going to be really used yeah, and I think they pretty much get. I think they see the suspension coming because it's definitely going to happen. There's video evidence. It's not like it was just yeah. someone, you know, trying to blame him for it or trying to get away with it. Um, 
again, they only paid him for a million, maybe even less than that. I'm going to bank on a little less than a million, possibly a million. And they're mm-hmm. going to pro- probably possibly extend him afterwards because think about it. They have so much of this cap room. They have Chubb on a rookie deal. They have, you know, Baker on a rookie deal and they have Denzel Ward on a rookie deal. They don't have to pay all these guys yet. So I feel like they're going to keep him around and they're kind of just playing it safe right now by signing him. Um, to me, I kind of feel like it's a little unacceptable to the league because it's an ongoing investigation and it hasn't been decided yet, especially like, you know, it would have been better if he found out as a free agent because then teams can kind of pick and choose if they decide to go that route. Because, again, now the Browns need to face all the PR that's going to come after him, especially in conferences, um, especially over, you know, when camp comes around later on this year and when the season starts, that's all they're going to be asked. So, they be, you know, they better be prepared to continue the season that they were having and continue winning so that those questions can kind of be swayed the other way. Um, but, yeah, that, that's really pretty much my take on that whole thing. As a signing as a whole – it's a little confusing. Doesn't make much sense, especially towards the scheme of that offense. Um, it's a good signing, like talent-wise. I would say, I don't think that was a great move by the organization. I feel like that's such a Browns thing to do. I feel like if they were much worse, yeah, then maybe teams would have maybe people, especially in the media, would have a little bit of a slack on it because, like, oh, they're looking for talent, so they went after it. Um, I don't know. I think Kareem Hunt should have. It's, again, it's not his fault. He signed the contract. But I think as a league, you keep him out a little longer. He's got to learn his lessons. So now he's just going to go back to playing. I, I know for a fact he's a good kid. He had his first year, no problem. And then mm-hmm. this whole thing happened midseason. Um, I don't think he's going to have that situation happen again. But the league needs to establish a certain punishment for these type of things. Because now you're going to encourage other players to do the same. If your talent speaks for you as a whole then you're going to get signed. That's what these mentalities are going to be for all these other players if they're in a domestic violence situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think of that? So do you think these punishments should be much harder to come out of? Do you think you really need to earn your place back in the league? Or if talent speaks for yourself, why not get signed again? It's it's really hard to, to make a call on that because I feel, feel like I want to say, you know, they should, if they did something wrong, they should be some sort of punishment. I mean, I, I think that should happen. But what, what, what blows my mind is that him and Foster are still in the league, but then Ray Rice had a, almost exact same scenario as Hunt, and he's, he's not – I don't understand that. I feel like if you're going to do something, it's got to be a universal rule. You can't make exceptions. It's, it's got to be universal. If it happens, it happens. You're out or – you're suspended or you're allowed back you can't have these little like like people where it's just like oh well it doesn't apply to you that's not right and this is why people don't like Goodell to begin with yeah like like you said before I think you worded it perfectly where there should be this solid rule as to how many games you get suspended for but I feel like now it just depends on how good your lawyer is and how well um you appeal Mm -hmm. your situation with the NFLPA and it's kind of like the the severity of the hitting is what really determines it. And that's, what's really scary about the NFL is that there mm-hmm. should be a solid rule. You should either be out for 12 games. Cause that's in the, that's in the rules hit a woman or a domestic dispute of anything should be 12 games minimum. But instead you have people like Foster who got released, signed again. And then you have people like Ezekiel Elliott who were possibly the, the girl that was, saying that it happened and was trying to you know 
call attention to it. There was no evidence, and he still got six games. I feel like even if players are under investigation for it, if they they should still get that you know rule. So say they get the twelve game suspension, if they're still under investigation and they find out there's no evidence and he's free to go, then put him back in the league. But again, like you said, there mm-hmm. should be a specific rule, even if it comes up about that. Again, you know, let it breathe a little bit, then give the suspension, but there should they need to have better rules in the NFL. It's kind of ridiculous how two months ago we, we weren't very actually two months ago we spoke about it on the podcast when we found out um, we said he was going to be back in the league. Honestly, I thought he was probably going to go to an AAF team because of how severe this is. But now he's back in the league. So what does that say for people in the AAF or leagues where I'm trying to get a contract and I'm not that type of person and I have the same amount of talent and you're overseeing that? What does that say for those guys? I mean, it's it is such a it's it's honestly such a messed up league. I don't I don't know. There's there's no stability. I feel like I feel bad for those people in the in the AAF. They're trying to get in and they see something like this happen because. I feel like it's the same thing with Ray Rice. He looks at it and he goes, I was never allowed back in, and now people are doing what I'm doing five, six, seven years later, and it's not as severe. And I'd be a little annoyed, to be honest. Yeah, you have a guy like Trent Richardson who's currently with the AAF right now who is, again, a Mm -hmm. former third pick in the draft. And, again, he had his ups and downs in the league, but then, again, he also fell in that situation of domestic violence, and he was pretty much out of the league until the AAF came around. Then you have Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. go back in the league with video evidence and everything and is still signed in the NFL without any punishment whatsoever. It's just a bad look. I feel like, do you think they're going to lose fans from this at all or do you think nothing really happens from here? We kind of just overlook it because it's Kareem Hunt. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, Obviously, this is a this is an ongoing problem and needs to be fixed. But I feel like at the end of the day, when you look at it, the people that are very very concerned or more sensitive to the topic are probably going to be women over men in that situation. And I feel like women aren't watching the NFL as much, so I feel like it's not going to have as much of an impact in the NFL as it would not, like around the nation. I feel like it's just not going to be as big as everyone thinks it will. I feel like if you're a team that's going to sign this guy, you have to be full, full, fully prepared for all this media to come attacking you. And as a Browns organization yeah. that's still trying to find their footing in this league, again, they were known as a team that went 0-16 two years in a row and only had one win over the course of that time. And now they're trying, starting to build that back up, and now you have this in your hands. That's really not what you want. So, well, you know, yeah, but, but that's the thing. You, you look at it now, and you're like, as much as you are surprised, you're kind of kind of like you kind of brush it off because you're just like oh well they're they're trying to win like they have won in the past and, and it's kind of you know it's it's obviously a bad situation but it's kind of pushed aside because it's like oh well they've, they've been bad for so long they're they're desperate to win yeah and kind of just you know to pin the needle on this whole thing uh it's just sad that we were already expecting him to be back in the league i know it was kind of surprising that it's mm-hmm. the browns and not a team that needs a running back um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a little sad that that's the sad truth. He's just way too talented to not be in the league, and now he's just gonna go back to his ways yeah. and make his money. But you know, we'll see how this unfolds. Um, we got some more news to talk about. Um, so today, Kyler Murray f- committed to the NFL. He's officially going to be in the draft. He's going to the combine. He's letting go of baseball. 
it's his final decision finally made um a lot of mock drafts already came out taking kyler murray out kind of putting him later in the draft if any team wants to take him because you don't want to waste a first round pick on a guy who eventually picks baseball and now he's back in the mix what does that say for teams that currently need a quarterback right now and how does that work out in the draft i i think it's uh you'll like it because your team is one of them that needs a quarterback i i feel like he's dead i think he's gonna be without a doubt a first round pick and i was reading an article and there were scouts and other analysts that obviously before they weren't even thinking about it because he was committed to the MLB and they were like, well, it's not even worth talking about. But now that they, it came out that he's going to be in the NFL draft, people are saying that he's, he could possibly be a top 10 pick. I absolutely believe that. I think he's officially inserted into that you know top 10 pick class there. Um, as a team, like, a Giants fan such as myself, I would love to have Kyler Murray on the team because of how talented he is. Again, he was a Heisman winner, uh, multi-sport athlete. With, you know, um, he could use his legs as a Giants fan. We haven't seen that. I've only been born into the Eli era. I haven't seen anything before that. <laughs> so that's all I've seen him is step back in the pocket. It's old school football. That's what Tom Brady plays. But now it's a change league where a lot of these running these quarterbacks can move their legs and they can extend plays. Pat Mahomes, MVP and Offensive Player of the Year, can do that. He could also use his arm. That's what everyone's kind of looking for now. They're kind of trying to fit that formula. Again, Carson Wentz can use his arm. He's a Super Bowl champion. Um, he won that Super Bowl as much, just as much as Nick Foles did. Um, but he, he's a game-changing quarterback as well. And um, everyone's concern with Kyle, Kyler Murray is that he's too short. Um, what do you think of that comment, like as a whole for his talent? I mean, I get where they're coming from because there's big offensive linemen. You got to be able to see over these guys to make these big plays. But I know this is what people have been saying too. You got Drew Brees, who is maybe six foot. I don't know. Same thing. Russell Wilson isn't a big guy. I'd say he's very comparable to Russell Wilson. Yeah, people are saying that he is the next, like Russell Wilson, maybe even better depending on the yeah. team that drafts him. Yeah, and I feel like he's going to play very similar to that. He's going to be, he's going to be able to move out of the pocket if he has to. He's going to he's going to make his throws. He, he's he. I don't think the height is going to be as big as what people are are saying. I feel like people are just trying to find a problem with him. Yeah, and it's just not necessary. I think he'll be all right. Yeah, there's definitely a narrative people are trying to find. Again, there's narratives with all these different quarterbacks in the draft. Take take Haskins for example. Um, Stephen A. recently you know, became memed again on his show first take for saying that um, Dwayne Haskins is more of a runner than a passer when it showed he only oh, run, yeah. he only ran for a couple hundred yards and threw for almost 5,000 yards. Um, so clearly there's a narrative that's trying <laughs> to be taken place in these young quarterbacks who are trying to make, you know, their name come in the league. But to go back to the Kyler Murray situation with his height, again, like you said before, Drew Brees kind of started that narrative where a six-foot guy can still make a difference um and again he's not a runner so it's not like you know if he can't see over the line he could actually run out of, run out and kind of scramble and make his own play and then you take baker mm -hmm. mayfield who kind of you know he's kind of been the descendant of that type of drew Brees height class where he's only six one and he had almost an offensive rookie of the year type season yeah and so i have mm -hmm. the stat here from pro football focus um last season plays inside the pocket removing screens Kyler Murray, number one on PFF um, in grades in the nation, 94.8. Um, 12.3 mm -hmm. yards per attempt, number one, 75.7% adjusted um, comp rate, number seven, 138.6 passer rating, number one. 
Kyler Murray can play inside the pocket. It's just a narrative everyone's trying to play. So, mm-hmm. you know, even Pro Football Focus made a stat talking about his passing instead of his running. So, again, there's a lot of narratives there, and he's proven himself worthy. Do you think he's the first quarterback taken off the board or people are still reluctant to do so? I don't think a quarterback's going to be picked until the Giants pick, and then afterwards maybe the Jags do something, yeah, maybe try I, to trade I, up. Uh, it's a tough decision. I I feel like like what you just said with the Giants where they're probably going to be the first ones to pick a quarterback. I feel like the Giants, they already have their plan set. Yeah, they now, if someone trades up and tries to pick up a quarterback in front of them, now they have an extra option, which is good for them. But I don't know. I feel like if you're, it's hard because what is it? Is it? Who were they trying to pick up? Is Haskins originally? Uh, yeah, originally there's a lot of insiders and a lot of yeah. drafters that are saying that Dwayne Haskins is what you know the Giants are saying in house that they want as their next quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's very hard. You're you're not really gonna get that answer unless you talk to the people inside the the offices because was it him picking him just because he was the best option at the time or? Are they fully committed to him as a as a player? It doesn't matter who's in there. That that's where it's hard. Yeah, I, I actually think before I think their plan their sights were set on Dwayne Haskins mostly because we're not going to get involved in the guy who's not sure what sport he wants to play. That's just not something you want to deal with, mm-hmm. especially in the first round for a team that is desperate for a quarterback. Um, yeah. I feel like now that kind of that narrative changes. They're definitely talking about it in uh, with the GM and the owner right now um, that Kyler Murray's fully committed. And I feel like if they go in that direction, there's no stopping them. I feel like they're looking in the right direction there. Um, what if a team kind of comes up and they want to trade up? Is that a possibility to try to get Kyler Murray since he's that good? Or do you think it'll just, you know, happen all on its own until the sixth pick comes around? Um, Again, like the Jets did last year, that's a quarterback draft. Yeah. Obviously, it's much different. Yeah. They wanted Darnold at the three pick. Uh, I mean, I think if I think if somebody's gonna they're gonna trade up to to pick him up, I think that's a really really risky decision to make. Honestly, I think I think I mean the Cardinals already said that they're pretty set with um, Rosen. So I don't think they would do anything. The only maybe like the the Broncos would maybe be the only desperate team I could think of. Yeah, maybe. What, yeah, I th- what, the Broncos what, uh, have been desperate for a quarterback uh, for a very spot long time. Are they in? Uh, the Broncos, I think they're much later on. I could double check that, but before I do that, um, Cardinals uh, head coach Cliff Kingsbury today actually came out and said on the Kyler Murray um, situation is that. Um, Josh Rosen is their guy. So it doesn't look like they're going mm-hmm. to trade out of that position. That was a very big possibility. And it may still be a possibility. Yeah. We, again, we haven't seen Cliff Kingsbury deal with um, you know, an NFL draft yet. It's his first-year coaching in the NFL. Um, so does that mean Nick Chubb is a full send at the number one pick, considering Josh Rosen is their guy? Probably. Yeah, I would think you, so, too. Uh, Oza, you're saying? Um, I was just checking the order here. So it's hold on, let's check. I always forget the draft. Yeah, the Broncos order, are ten. They're the tenth pick. 
I don't yeah. know. That's not a t- bad place to be sitting, but if the Giants do end up taking Kyler Murray, I think they trade up right before Dwayne Haskins goes off the board. I think that's a big possibility as well. Well, that's the thing. I, I was looking at the other orders in front, and before you are the Raiders and the Bucks, And those are two very, very interesting teams that you never know what the hell Gruden is going to do. Yeah. And yeah. With, with the Bucks, they're having issues with Jameis, so you never know. Well, that'll really say a lot. If they draft a quarterback, they're basically saying, like, this is your last year. We're having you on that deal or whatever, and then you're done. Well, honestly, I think Bruce Arians went – he took the head coaching job coming out of the stu- coming out of the booth to coach again is because he believes in Jameis Winston, and every- I think he believes everyone's using him wrong. So I don't think they're moving on from quarterback there. But like you said before, um, I don't th- – you have no idea what – you know, the Raiders want to do, they can always head out of that Derek Carr contract. And again, they have all these picks to trade if they want to go for a quarterback. Um, you never know. But uh, as of right now, I definitely think Kyler Murray is a hundred percent candidate to go off the board on the sixth pick. Any of the teams before are already set at quarterback. So that's looking up for the giants. And do you think the Jags right after the giants do take Haskins? Yeah. If they, if no one trades up. Yeah, I would think so. I would think now again, I'm looking at the, the orders again, of all these teams I think the only other team that may end up trading up if they even I mean they'd have to work something out but the only team I could see trading up is probably the Redskins they're at 15 because Alex Smith is probably not going to be back next year and even when he comes back he's going to be rusty he's nearing the end of his career he's been around for a while I feel like they're going to need somebody yeah, it's gonna to be a very interesting. Yeah, it's gonna be a very inter- interesting, interesting draft as to who wants the quarterback more. Um, we'll see when that happens. Um, in recent news, right before the podcast started, Demarius Thomas was cut by the Texans, and yeah. um, they move their cap space. Uh, actually, they create more space in their cap with fourteen million. Um, what do you think of that move? Do you think that was a must for the Texans? Should they have kept them, especially with D Hop on the team? Do you think that was a solid number two? Or do you have any idea what team should sign in moving forward? I mean, I feel like he was kind of starting to downtrend anyway. I feel like Sanders was that main guy. Even though somehow Demarius Thomas was still getting 1,000 yards each year, I don't know how he was doing it, but he was still ending up getting 1,000 yards. He was still doing well in terms of stats. I just feel like production-wise, he just was not as consistent. I, I feel like oh, – let me see what order. The Texans are 23. Third pick. I mean, they. There's not many. There's a lot of people that are interested in defensive players in this draft. I think they're going to they go defense in this draft. Receiver. I think they're going to go defense. I don't think their priority I think is to they get a. Need, I, I think they need to go defense because that's kind of been their issue. But this whole, whole cutting Thomas, I don't know because they don't really have anybody else. They have D-Hop, and then that's really it. Yeah, and I mean, that's also not too bad of a scenario because they've had that situation before. And, you know, they ha- I think they're looking at this going in that Will Fuller is still on a rookie contract, and if he comes back next yeah. year healthy, I think they should be fine. Um, everyone forgets how big of a target he is because at one point in um, D- D- yeah. Deshaun Watson's rookie season, there was a lot of touchdowns that he threw downfield that was sp- to specifically Will Fuller. Um, I think they should be mm-hmm. fine. In that that saying that, do you think Demarius Thomas should go to a contender team, or is he kind of looking for money at this point later in his career? Again, he's kind of more of a vet than anything. He's in his thirties. Um, do you think he kind of signs a vet minimum deal with someone, or does he? Um, 
Yeah. Look for a little bit more I money with what, a bad contender team like I, the Jets or something. Uh, I think I think he's going to do kind of similar to what I think he's going to fall in the same footsteps as uh, Brandon Marshall. Kind of what he ended up doing. Yeah, he might go hopping around from team to team with the vet minimum. Uh, but yeah, that was that, the, that's what I figure. Yeah, so that was the news that came out today. Um, and I wanted to discuss this a little bit just because to kind of get you involved since you're a Falcons fan. They've actually freed up a lot of cap space, getting rid of you know Alfred and some other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think they're making the right moves here to kind of get solid free agents and kind of go defense in the draft? Or oh, I I mean to be honest. The, them get cutting Matt Bryant as much as that hurt because as of like especially in the league now especially this year you find out how much it's how much people take advantage or take for granted such a great kicker because there were so many issues this year with kickers so I think it was definitely hard to watch it happen but I understand why they did it because you need Grady Jarrett needs to get a contract extension and Julio needs to get a contract extension so those are two guys you don't want to lose and the kicker i mean he's he's at the end of his career to be honest so i get that move offered was not doing great he last year he did not do great um i'm very surprised though that they're gonna they're probably putting isaiah oliver in who's one of our draft picks from last year he's probably gonna be our starter on the outside so i think it's gonna be true font and Oliver, I want to see KZ be that nickel corner. That's what I want to see, but I don't know if they're going to do it. I just feel like he had such a great year stepping in last year. I don't know how you don't incorporate him in that defense in some way. Are there any defensive Um, players, especially like the Eagles, who have a couple of corners coming out um, of their deals? Are you do you do you think they should sign one of those guys? Like Darby, I think is a free agent coming up. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think he is. I. I I feel like we're I feel like we're at that point where we don't really we're not looking at our secondary we're looking more at our pass rush so if we're gonna sign somebody it might be like a D Ford Trey Flowers I think is one of the other guys that's up um we're gonna be looking for somebody like that I don't I don't think we're gonna be looking for secondary yeah I think so too um so does this mean full kind of it's not a rebuild per se but somewhat to kind of build up yes. a better defense do you think first yeah if you take a defensive player first round say linebacker or are you guys good at linebacker i'm actually not too sure about that situation uh i, I think with linebacker we're okay i think it's more defensive, defensive tackles yeah and gotcha gotcha um do you think you take a guy like that in the first or kind of sway some other direction yeah sign a free agent and you're kind of are okay towards the draft and then second round third round you kind of build through your defensive players from there I think what we're going to end up doing is we're going to end up taking a defensive player in the draft. Um, I, I don't. I think I think they're going to pick up a defensive player first round, but I think after that, I don't think the first round pick is going to be the important pick. I think it's going to be the picks after that because there are still, for example, offensive line holes that we aren't urgent fixes, but they'd be nice to get fixed, and possibly have some safety depth just because we also happened last year yeah so um so what do you th- I'm, I'm not sure if you've kind of looked at him i'm gonna kind of name off a couple defensive tackles slash defensive ends uh, mostly defensive tackles that i'm seeing and coming up in the draft 
um, on this website that I'm looking at right now, where I was trying to looking for the um, the draft order. It has the Falcons taking defensive tackle out of Clemson, uh, Christian Wilkins. Um, is that a, is that the type mm-hmm. of pick they're looking to get in that scenario? Because they also have Ed Oliver um, coming out of Houston. Uh, you have Rashawn Gary, who is going to be projected higher in the draft, obviously. But um, I think if you guys get a guy like D Ford, I think you're going to be in a good position. I think from there you kind of have to work on your offense a little more. And you guys got you guys got some good coaches coming in, hopefully, um, to help you guys out. Again, you're kind of kind of rebuilding in the you know coaching aspect of the whole thing. Is defense key, especially for the mm-hmm. Falcons? Um, especially looking at their offense, where they have Julio, they have Kevin Ridley, who they drafted last year. Um, Matt Ryan's still on his big contract, um, mm-hmm. and you probably have Devontae Freeman coming back next year. Um, so defense is key for the yeah. Falcons, you would say? I would say so for two reasons. One, because when he came in, uh, Dan Quinn is a defensive-minded coach. He was the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks during the Legion of Boom. So he is, all, he is so defensive-heavy and focused and he's, he excels in that. And now that he got rid of um, Mark Juan Manuel, now that he got rid of him and he's taking over again for the play calling on the defense, I feel like that really shows that they're coming down to the wire. Like he's figuring we need to win and we need to win now. This is how we were working better. In previous years when they went to the Super Bowl, he was calling the defensive plays. And he's kind of realizing his job is flashing before him and he needs to fix it before he's out. Gotcha. So, uh, last little bit of news that we got from today is the Antonio Brown situation, and we'll kind of conclude on uh, that. Yeah. Um, he came out and said on his Twitter and Instagram that you know it's been a great couple years here in um, Steeler Nation, Pittsburgh, um, but it's time for me to move on. Um, what do you think of that whole scenario as a whole? Um, and not to mention, everyone tends to forget. Um, today he was found guilty after not showing up after speeding trial this morning. So that kind of goes hand in hand with the scenario because now he's looking to head to another team, but you're going to have to have to handle that baggage of that kind of thing where he doesn't show up to court or he doesn't show up to practice. There's disputes with coaches and someone's going to have to pick up that contract. Um, What teams are best fit for him? And do you think they're going to be able to trade him before the season starts or going to have to keep him till mid season? I honestly feel like he's got so much talent. Obviously he's, He's a very talented receiver. He's one of the best, I'd say, easily. And it's always discussed. He's one of the best out there. It's just such a shame that he has all this baggage going for him because he's he has so much talent. And I feel like that's the, the problem. I feel like, obviously, if he was not doing all this, there would have been no issue with the Steelers. Same thing with Bell. There would have been no issue with the Steelers. And it's really hard because now they lost easily two of their best offensive players for good. Most likely they're gone. So I feel like if a team is going to pick them up, it's going to be a team that is just like how we said with the Browns with Hunt. They're going to be desperate. They desperately need their receiver. And they're looking at it as we don't care if you're going to yell at us, you're going to talk back. We just want you to produce and that's all you're here for what do you think of the current rumors that the jets I mean, are current landing spots for both antonio brown and Le'Veon bell on the same team once again i i mean obviously before brown became it turned into this whole issue I, i've heard that bell was a big option i think that that is very smart because 
you have that rookie uh, rookie quarterback last year. He's on a rookie deal. You want to surround him with talent. And I feel like that's what he was missing. He was missing that talent. He had players that were good, but they weren't the disconnect was. And I feel like him stepping up and becoming that franchise quarterback, he's going to be need to have those weapons. And especially two guys that have had chemistry and work together, that is a great step to do that. Um, let's not forget that Antonio Brown was very outspoken, especially even before the season before the season ended, that he wanted to go to the 49ers, especially yeah. when he was speaking to Jerry mm-hmm. Rice. Um, when players do that type of thing, and especially looking in the NFL where you have Anthony Davis wanting to go to the Lakers, when the trade deadline came around, the Pelicans were very certain that you know we're going to trade him, we're going to trade you somewhere else. You can sign to LA after you're a free agent, but we're not going to you know just hand you off to go where you want to go. So now you have a player yeah. in Antonio Brown who is picking and choosing where he wants to go. Do you think the 49ers are going to do the uh, the uh, sorry the Steelers are going to do the same thing and be like, when you're out of that contract, you can go somewhere else? Do you think they're going to try to put him somewhere he doesn't want to necessarily be at, at the moment? Uh, it's 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 very tough. It's a very tough say because he did kind of leave. Pittsburgh with a little sour taste in their mouths. It wasn't a very mutual kind of departure. It was very heated, very filled with drama. I would say the business decision, they're obvious they should ask for a decent amount because you'd be stupid to to not try to get a good amount. He's like I said, he's one of the best, if not the best, receivers in the league. You'd be stupid not to try to get his full potential out of that. I just, I don't know. I, I think the 49ers are fit because obviously the Steelers are not going to want to put him in somewhere in the division and they're not going to want to put him in another AFC team where they're going to have to play him again. And then, Yeah, it's a tough scenario. Um, moving forward, do you think um, Ben Roethlisberger retires anytime soon considering his only – reason for staying is because he has AB on that offense. I know he has Juju. I've heard this before, but AB was kind of his all-reliable safety blanket. Um, do you think he sticks around for the long haul with James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster, or what's kind of the game plan after that? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, now that actually you mentioning that proves a good point, I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, Steelers try to trade up. Yeah, that wouldn't be too like bad. If they, if they give yeah. if they give A B to San Francisco, they could take their first round pick and then they trade up and get a quarterback. Well, they have Mason, they also have Mason Rudolph. They have Mason Rudolph behind Ben Roethlisberger. Do you think? They're, yeah, they're, I, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they're locked he, in on him. Rudolph wasn't too impressive when he played. Yeah, I don't know. Do you, so you do think they would go quarterback or would they go back to an offensive like other offensive position? I think Juju. It's it's no mistake he was doing well because A.B. was on the other side of him. So it was obviously helping him because he was not getting that double coverage all the time. He was not getting those huge looks because at the end of the season when it was just him, he wasn't producing as much as he was throughout the season. So, yeah, that could be coincidental, but most are pointing that it's because he was getting that double coverage and it's a lot harder. It's more responsibility on yourself. And he... He's not AB. It's many. There's not many people that can be AB. He's kind of one of those talents that you're going to have on that team. You may not get back for for years. 
Yeah, and, and to kind of piggyback off of the whole Antonio Brown thing, you really can't forget the type of season he had regardless of all the situations that he had. Um, Antonio Brown has mm-hmm. posted six straight seasons with 100 receptions, the longest streak in NFL history. His 837 receptions are the most through 130 career games in NFL history, and his 9,145 receiving yards are over the last six seasons are the most in a 16 span. Six season span in the NFL history. So there's a lot of talent there. Not a lot of people can be AB, but some people question that maybe it's the quarterback who puts it in the right place. Again, he's very athletic. You know, we see his toe taps. We see this and that. But you need a quarterback who can get mm-hmm. it to him. Do you think part of the reason he wants to go to the 49ers is that Jimmy Garoppolo is that type of guy? Or he just wants to go to the 49ers just because him and Jerry Rice are kind of like buddy buddy over the whole thing? Um, I think, I, I think it could be a little bit of both. Cause I feel like he, as of where it stands currently, this could, again, the NFL is weird. It changes dramatically within months, but currently the 49ers did not do well. Partially they didn't have Garoppolo, but they, they were not one of these contending teams. They're the, the second overall pick and they finished, uh, what's it? They finished four and 12. So they, they're not by any means playoff contenders currently. If you throw him in there, maybe now that changes things up and if Garoppolo could stay healthy, they get another good pass rusher. Maybe this changes if Shanahan's a good offensive crawler. You get you put someone in there like that, it could spark that whole offense, but I don't think he's leaving because I'd say he's downgrading in terms of playoff probability. So I think there's it's got to be he sees something in Garoppolo or he's just – loves Jerry Rice. Probably. But there's a lot there's a lot to look forward to in this upcoming season. Uh, we'll leave off on this last question. Uh, so recently Hard Knocks came out and said they wanted Jets as a candidate to be their mm-hmm. next you know host for the show. And Jets specifically said we want no part of it. Um, if that's the case, yeah. what team is best fit to be on the next Hard Knocks? To me, it's the Raiders. Yeah, I, I would say... I agree with you on the Raiders. I would say maybe – I wouldn't say the 49ers because they lost Garoppolo. They were doing all right before that. Um, I would just love to see Gruden on you know TV again on HBO like every night. Yeah, again, I, like I would no say, sense or anything. I would say them or maybe the Cardinals because they've, they've really had issues. I'd love – to see Larry Fitzgerald kind of take leadership and kind of be inside the locker room and see what he's really yeah, doing it's, to it's mentor. His last, like it's his Kirk, last year. Yeah, it's his last year. It would be very fitting to see that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, other than that, we yeah. can wrap it up there. Um, so I'm pretty much going to mm-hmm. you know plug everything that we have and we'll wrap it up. But what you guys can expect from this show moving forward is that, yes, the season is over. Yes, we went over the Super Bowl. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of news like this that just came out. Yay, F just currently started. So we can also talk about that. But – NFL-wise, uh, we're pretty much going to go through every single division, AFC, both both AFC and NFC. We're going to go through each division, you know, NFC East, you know, all that stuff. And um, we're just going to go through each and every team, what what holes need to be filled, what kind of improvements do they need to make to have an imp- impact on the season, or if the team is just kind of looking down south, um, why is that the reasoning there? So moving forward, that's what we'll talk about. But other than that, you guys can follow us on Twitter, on the Franchise Tag pod, 
And um, we have a lot of updates as to new episodes that come out. I update you on current news, especially the Antonio Brown situation, Kareem Hunt, et cetera, et cetera. Um, other than that, we can see you guys next week. We'll talk about a lot more stuff. Um, anything else you need to add, Chris? No, that is all. Awesome. All right, so I'll see you guys next week. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.